This is the Humerian Health Podcast. Spilling our guts for the well-being of yours. We're back at the Humerian Health Podcast. Dr. Sean Benzinger and myself, Amy Baker, we're here today to talk to a lactation consultant and certified childbirth instructor, Linda Goldberg. Um, we're very excited, Linda, to have you on the podcast today. Oh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. But I think we should add, and much, much, much more. And much, much, much more, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she also has a book out called Pee in a Pod, which is a step-by-step uh, journey through the childbirth experience. Um, and I think it goes all the way through year one, doesn't it, Linda? It does. Yes, it does. Awesome. So we'll talk a little bit about the book um, and some some questions around childbirth, but mm-hmm. we would love to hear a little bit of your background. Journey. And, yeah, your and how journey. you kind of got to where no you kidding. are today. Mm-hmm. Well, very good. Yes. Well, when I was years ago, when I was first out of nursing school, I started working in a hospital and I always loved labor and delivery and the birth experience. And at that time, women were receiving medication during labor that they didn't remember the experience afterwards. So they were receiving a combination of a narcotic and scopolamine, which is an amnesiac. And mm. once I started to see this, I realized that this was not the type of birth that I would want to have once I had my children. I was fortunate to be in an area where the new, brand new childbirth classes, the Lamaze classes, were starting to be taught. And so when I became pregnant, my husband and I attended classes. We practiced religiously all of the breeding techniques. And when I went in to have my own child, I never even thought about requesting medication. So this kind of took me from in-hospital um, you know, practice to wanting to educate women that it is possible to trust your body and to give birth without all the interference. Hmm. Um, th- throughout my years, I then began, began teaching childbirth classes. I had two other children, all of them unmedicated, and the last one in and out of hospital birth center with a certified nurse midwife. After I moved, go ahead. Yeah, well, I want to jump back to trusting your body. Um, I think that's an interesting um, statement, only just because, do you believe that um, as a woman moves into wanting to get pregnant, um, going through the normal system, uh, do you believe that the system kind of uh, pulls them away from their input and their choices uh, by just kind of, hey, this is how we do it type thing, so it takes it away from uh, the female's choices along the way? Well, I, I think it's it's not just the system. I mean, you know, generally most women are going to go through a hospital system, choose a, a doctor, and and just kind of follow the routine. But it's also family and friends that have a lot of impact on women. And so if all you're hearing is how hard birth is and how painful it is, of course they're going to go the route of, oh, let's just go ahead and get that epidural. And so I think it's important for people to get educated so that they realize there are other options. And really, this this day is one women remember the rest of their life. I am confident you know, you, of that. <laughs> yeah. uh, yes. I mean, well, it's and it's not just what you're feeling. It's it's the whole experience and how you were treated. And for me, it was Good extremely point. empowering that when I gave birth, you know, without someone, you know, taking the baby from me, it was like, I can do this. 
and it gave me a really good sense that you know I was strong as a woman. So for me, it was uh, it was it was mind you know blowing, and, and it was is changing life changing experience for me to to have my child without medication. I could do it. Awesome. Well, so I'm curious, you talk about getting um, educated and it seems like there are so many, so many things to be educated on. Can you share a little bit about maybe in this, I'm like a structure person, right? So I'm like, what are the five like categories of things I need to know? <laughs> I mean, do you, do you have recommendations on like, here's, like I said, like three topics or five topics or 10 topics that you should, um, as a, as a mother or a, a soon to be mother, start to learn about or yeah like where do you get started well amy well, I, I happen to know a book it's called p and p in a pod I that know there's a book. covers all, <laughs> all of those things. things in detail just so you know I but know, we'll but, let the guests but uh, i'm an audio audi- audio learner so i want <laughs> i want linda to tell me <laughs> what, the, what the categories are yeah well I, you know I, I think for most women when they first get pregnant the first thing they think about is well what can i eat and what you know what kind of exercise should i do mm. and so i think that's a good place for women to start to to kind of look at their diet and make sure they are eating healthy um there are uh, restrictions when women are pregnant they have to be careful about the high mercury fish uh, they need to be careful about eating rare meat and the raw sushi, things like that that can um, possibly cause listeria, which mm. could have an effect on their baby. So that's the first thing that they probably want to think about, you know, stopping. If they drink any alcohol, stopping alcohol. Um, don't smoke. Mm-hmm. And and then as they progress into the pregnancy, then they start thinking about um, where are they going to give birth and who's going to be their caregiver. And I think that's important for them to start looking around in their area um, whether they choose, uh, you know, a hospital. Now, some hospitals do have, you know, birthing rooms. Sometimes that's strictly cosmetic, and it's still the hospital experience. But in other hospitals, they do have uh, certified nurse midwives that do births. And so it's important to kind of, you know, research that so that you know, you know, which what place do I want to deliver? What is the type of experience I want? And, and maybe do a tour. And then, of course, after that, they need to, to do some preparation. Mm. I think so many women today just go on the Internet or they, you know, go on their phones and they, they look up information, and yet so many do not do structured classes anymore. Oh. So we see, yeah, when, when I first started, we really had a, a large amount of women who took classes. In sure. fact, when I, when I gave birth, um, back in 1975, in order for my husband to be in the um, delivery room, and that was when we had a labor room and then a separate delivery room, um, mm. he had to have a certificate. And if I took any medication, he would have had to leave. Wow. So, I never yes, got a certificate, okay. Linda. Could you? <laughs> oh, well, I went through the classes, I though. <laughs> I, I went through all the classes. And, yeah, they, they did want you to go through all that. And I remember going through all those. And um, can we go down the midwife category just yes. a little bit? Because, you know, over the years of, uh, of doing uh, other media uh, work for uh, about 20 years, midwives have changed drastically in the United States, and thank God that they are, and continue to get better. Because in Europe they are, because I've interviewed those that have written some books in Europe, 
um, years ago, and they talked about the roles of midwives, and it's it's it, it they. They bring it together so beautifully over there, and they have less complications, less uh, problems with the mother and the baby. They're statistically ahead of us, but Correct. but they sit there and talk about the midwife and the uh, the childbirth instructor, and they have all these support staff that understand the whole process, that walk them right. through and educate them on every step. It's amazing, and that's just not there. Otherwise, and I uh, just want to get your impression of what's happening in the United States, because I'm telling you, in Indiana, uh, they keep trying to pass laws to continue to streamline them down to make them. I mean, it's tough uh, here, and I'm hoping some other states are, are thinking about the benefit of both because the statistics are out and midwives right. and instructors, they make a difference. Well, the certified nurse midwives are usually RNs that then go on for additional training. Mm-hmm. And and we see them mostly in out-of-hospital birth centers, but more and more we're seeing them uh, joining physician practices and then doing births in the hospital. When they are able to practice out of the hospital, um, they... They have much more um, leeway on on technology. I, I think for many of the nurse midwives who practice in hospital, they're still bound by the women having to wear monitors yep. and and have an IV. Yep. Where when you deliver in an out of hospital birth center, the women don't need an IV, and they and the nurse midwife monitors the baby at regular intervals. Yep. Um, we also do have. Um, lay midwives who go for different type of training. These are usually not nurses, and they deliver in sometimes homes, sometimes in in um, birth centers. But uh, you're right; the statistics are excellent because nurse midwives they treat only low risk women, Correct. but they treat them as normal and low risk unless otherwise um, you know, things change. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole different way to treat women when you're treating them as if we're going to keep everything normal unless you're showing high blood pressure or some of sure. those other issues. Yeah, and, and, and I've heard it from other women that have done it. I've heard it from the midwives in uh, uh, probably up to 12 or 13 countries that I've interviewed, and they all say about the same thing. It's a relaxed environment that's natural to life, and that lowered stress really makes a big right. difference in uh, delivery statistics. And even in some countries like Norway, they they will look at borderline cases, but nothing severe, any high risk that all goes into the hospital. Right. Um, but, man, the statistics are out, and they are good. And, and, and realize, uh, the listeners need to realize that these people have been scrutinized and evaluated to make sure they're safe. Um, but let's talk a little bit about uh, the reality of our society, which is a drug-oriented society, unfortunately. So a lot of women in their 20s, 30s that are having children are on antidepressants, anti-anxieties, other types of things. Are you seeing more concerns associated with those? We do see um, a decent number of women who do come into um, pregnancy with with previous medication uh, issues. And we do see some of that, and it, it is a bit of a concern. Um, doctors are pretty careful to monitor, you know, which ones are going to be the safest with pregnancy and which ones are the safest with breastfeeding. And so, uh, you know, they do closely monitor those women because if we don't, if we take them off of all of their meds and they go into postpartum depression, uh, that can in itself be extremely serious. So uh, I I think you are right that we do see so many women who um, it's, 
this is the easy way. We, you yeah. know, you have a backache, you have a, a problem. Let's let's give you a pill to take care of it oh, instead my. of looking at some of the other alternatives, you know, relaxation and some of the other things that we can do to to help people deal with stress. So I think in addition, I like the questions around women being already on medication and other like dealing with other life issues, right? I mean, are there are there other considerations that women should have that impact their birth plan and pregnancy in terms of like, maybe I should be picking a hospital, maybe I really can consider an out of hospital experience? Like kind of how do they, how should they be thinking about those things? Well, a lot of times women are kind of restricted by their health insurance. Yeah. And so that's, that's kind of one of those issues because it's so expensive to have a baby now. And so women can, Oh, it's, oh my it's gosh. unbelievable. I mean, we hit them everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's just, and I get high risk and danger. I get it. But oh my gosh, come on. Yeah. So, you know, that's probably the first consideration, but many, many insurance companies do cover out of hospital birth centers. And so that is something that women should look into. Uh, Every area has a different number of birth centers, and so I know the the one that I taught at for over 20 years did close, uh, but mm. fortunately another one has opened in its place. So right. we at least have a couple options uh, locally, but in, in some areas they don't. So I'm glad to hear uh, in the area that you're from that you're seeing more and more of that happening. Well, it's kind of a new generation. This new generation looks more, it's interesting, it's like this combination. They've been raised for every every ailment's got a pill. <clears throat> some, some of them are over there. And then a lot of them are rejecting, completely rejecting the drugs and those things. They're trying to do it in natural ways and yoga and exercise and diet, a lot of vegans, vegetarians, things like that, which has created some problems with birthing because, as you know, they really got to know their dietary issues or otherwise they're going to end up with um, um, nutritional deficiencies are going to create a problem. Right. So it, that's, this generation's changing. I mean, I, I definitely am seeing change. Oh, well, and they want things quickly. They want it. They, uh, I, I, <laughs> Can we have the baby in about three months? Can we get that done? No. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, one of the things that I see is that <laughs> With, especially with breastfeeding, that, you know, yes, they're going to breastfeed. So one of the things that I see is that with women, especially with breastfeeding, that, you know, yes, they definitely want to breastfeed. This is a high priority. But sometimes if it's a struggle or if it's a challenge, they give up very quickly. Um, they, they also are very much into their apps. And they want to know exactly how many minutes, yes. you know, and and it's like, I, I finally said to someone the other day, she had like a four month old and she said, you know, I, I'm concerned because my baby nursed 30 minutes less than he nursed the day before. And wow. I said, this is a four month old. And I said, you know, put away the app. You don't need that phone to tell you how your baby's doing. They don't, you know, one of the things I say frequently is you have to read the baby. You can't use your, your app to tell you when it's time to, to feed the baby. You look at your baby and you, you watch your baby's cues. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, they rely so much on technology oh now. Oh, my gosh. And, well, doesn't it, that create it, so some anxiety, too? I mean, it's like, oh, my gosh, they just uh, 30 minutes less. So. And, yes. Oh, my gosh, yes. it beeped yes. at me, and, and the numbers don't look right today. And for right. the, I mean, yeah. I'm thinking, okay, well, how many of adults, like, have seven days that are exactly the same every day? <laughs> 
Well, and that's, you know, that's one of the things when I'm talking to breastfeeding moms and they think it's a great idea to put babies on schedules, it's like, well, if you think that's a great idea, then you need to do it for yourself. Right. So for the next two weeks, Good. you eat at 7 a.m. I'll give you 15 <laughs> minutes. I don't care if you want a second cup of coffee. You cannot have anything until 10. And so when they realize, geez, I don't do that to myself, why would I, you know, do that to a baby that has to double and triple their birth weight in a year. So, you know, it's it's kind of, you know, interesting that when they read books that encourage strict scheduling, that that, that sounds, you know, they're in control. And and what we find is that that doesn't work real well for babies. Yeah, yeah that's kinda, odd. You think they've read back, the books by now. It kind of goes back to that all in moderation, right, yeah. in a way, and sort of being, right. like, emotionally Be intelligent reasonable. about that. So I guess I'm I'm a little curious then about, you said, like, read your baby, watch your baby. I mean, okay, so what should I watch into my four-month-old? Like, what are, I mean, obviously they might cry when they're hungry. I mean, I, I could probably figure that out. But, I mean, are there certain things that you tell these new moms, like, that we wouldn't necessarily think are quite as obvious? Like, I don't know, when your baby makes faces like this, it probably means that, or when your baby's wiggling like this. Yeah, I mean, or is it really more, it's really more uh, individual than that, like Mm -hmm. per baby? Well, every baby is is very different. And in the very beginning, it is important to monitor how many wet diapers, how many dirty diapers, how many feeds um, that a baby has. And and then the, the big parameter is the weight gain. So they, they all lose a little bit of weight at first, but then they, we need them to consistently gain weight. And it's, it's so important that babies are monitored very carefully, and they are by their pediatricians in the beginning. And then once they are thriving and doing well, you don't have to be so focused on, okay, it's time to feed the baby at, you know, this time. They will then give you signs that they're hungry. They'll suck on their hands and you'll just, you'll, you'll get to know your baby. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's, it's just women have kind of lost that because the app tells them that they're supposed to be doing this at this time. And so, you know, we, we have a wonderful mom support group. And so I get to see these moms from very early infancy where these babies are, you know, really needing a lot of care to them. And the mom's kind of, you know, frustrated and they don't, they're not sure what they're doing. By the time they are there five, six months, these are the very confident moms. So yeah, it really great. is um, It's wonderful to see that progression of, of women as they move through motherhood. Well, and that's changed because grandma isn't one mile away and mom is in yeah. California and the, the daughter's in New Jersey and it's created some major problems. I mean, I, I feel I, I think it's much more difficult nowadays to have a child in this age group in in that you don't have as many family support staff as you used to. So that support group that you're talking about, I, I hope and pray that everywhere are expanding those and pushing those and supporting them. Yeah. Well, they most hospitals do have some type of a mom support group. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, um, when I had my children, we had La Leche League, and that is the right. breastfeeding support support um, that women had. And, and actually, um, a lact- as a lactation consultant, I'm an international board certified lactation consultant, right. and that came out of La Leche League. And so this, these were women who were professional and said, we need to change this from just a volunteer and mother-to-mother support to a professional 
um, organization. And so, um, you know, that's where um, that title comes from. And it, it's, it's extremely important because then the medical profession uh, has accepted lactation consultants as right. part of the team. Right. And, and so you'll find them in most hospitals. I think it's a rare hospital that doesn't have a lactation consort, consultant on board. Yeah. 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 I, and La Leche has been around a long, uh, quite a while, and they've really led oh. making sure that there are uh, 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 breast, breast milk, uh, what do they call them, banks now? Uh, for moms yes. that can't breastfeed yes. and everything else, which makes a huge difference, and they've led that way. I know that. Right. Yeah. They they started back in the fifties, and so it was. You know, they were the ones that continued to you know encourage breastfeeding when the formula companies yeah. became so powerful with their marketing. Yeah. I mean, and it's still it's still a challenge because yes, all the mothers know that breastfeeding is best, but formula companies have marketed so well that for many women, that's just as good. You know, it's, it's you know, if I can't breastfeed, this it's is not. just as good. It's and it's not. it's not the same. No. It's a good substitute, but it is not equal. No. And there's hundreds of properties in breast milk that could never be put into that bottle. Well, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a challenge because because women know that well I've got this as a as a backup um they sometimes I don't think really you know encourage or to stay with breastfeeding as long as as we would like them to yeah i i will say this um i sat in a meeting hmm, 3 years ago now in the netherlands where um uh i was invited to a, a conference discussion and oh, the topic matter was uh, a breast uh, was um, baby formulas, and the number one concern mm. was the worldwide the largest uh, manufacturers were having a terrible time being able to make baby formulas consistently the same, and number two that they are not filled with other chemicals as well as environmental factors that are inherent to our population now. And uh, they said, basically, you can't make it. Uh, there, there's no way to purify it enough. There's just no way. Uh, and they're struggling with that to be able to keep those type of chemicals out of it. So it is a, it's, it's certainly breastfeeding is by far the best way to go for multiple reasons. But, um, and I don't know that they found a way to correct that. But they are working hard on it because they are aware of it. And uh, hopefully that will get better. But uh, you know the, the problem with the, uh, your book? <laughs> Uh-oh. Yes. <laughs> but we need about seven hours. <laughs> True. I mean, this is, I mean, we, we've just, you know, and this is great information because it's what people need to know to feel comfortable moving into a birthing process. Some people are afraid of it because they don't have mom around, grandma around to encourage them and other things like that. But uh, we're going to need to have you back. I mean, we, <laughs> this is, we haven't even scratched the surface. Oh, well, I'd love to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's, you get me started on something, and I can go on and on and on. Well, it's, it's wonder. That's what's so advantageous. Plus, you articulate it uh, nicely, and it's understandable. Heck, I remember driving around in Fort Wayne. My mother said, well, there used to be a hospital here, and that's your your sister, who's much older than me, by the way, um, <laughs> that um, she said, now it's knocked down, and there's a park there and everything else. And she, I said, well, how was it? She says, I don't know. I was out. So what do you mean you're out? Oh. So, oh. and my, my eldest sister, 72, and I'm only, you know, 30 something, um, <laughs> in right. my brain, in my head. Mm -hmm. Um, 
However, she said, oh, yeah, they knock you out. You have the baby. Your dad dropped me off. I said, what do you mean dropped you off? She says, yeah, they drop you off. They can't stay. I had the baby. Right. And then you, you you lay in this room of cots with all the other women that have babies for one week, and they don't let you get up to go to, just go to the bathroom. And that's all. And they feed you there, and you lay for a week, and then you go home. That's what they did. Oh, my yeah. Back in the day. <laughs> it really was. Yeah. Well, things, things have definitely improved, <laughs> um, but in some respects. But in other respects, I think that, that we still have a way to go. Um, sure. You know, we really need women to think about this and to to remember that this is a day that will live with you forever. I mean, you mm-hmm. you just need to to make every, you know, thought and every choice so that it is the experience that you want. Uh, you do have to be flexible because sometimes things don't work out the way that you had planned. But it is a, a day that is, it can be very empowering. And I love speaking with women who did it. And boy, they, they're so proud of themselves yeah, that, you know, I be. did it's this. It's amazing. Yeah. It's an amazing Absolutely. thing. It really is. Yeah. The, the body is an amazing thing, the way it can, you know, take this woman and grow a baby and then she can deliver this baby and nourish this baby for a year or more and so it, it is yeah. uh, it's a wonderful experience yeah i agree absolutely well i agree with dr benzinger that we could talk to you for hours unfortunately our podcast is not hours long so we're gonna have to end so we have this to do session. 17 of them yeah we just so have we're to gonna rebook you for yeah we just have to have you back to i mean because I, I kept i was like oh i want to ask her this about breastfeeding and like oh i want to ask her this. we have this long checkoff yeah, list of what we can't get to nutrition and crying babies and yeah so i feel like yeah there's definitely lots that our listeners would be very interested in hearing about and i mean obviously certainly the book as well pee in a pod um great is a great resource but yeah. we would love to to have you back on so yeah. so where do we get it you can get it at Amazon. Okay. Uh, some of some of the bookstores can order it, and so it's and it's also an ebook. Oh, good for those who like their apps. <laughs> <laughs> Correct for those with the Kindle or just want to have it on their phone. Or, nice. So nice. yes, so um, but it's Amazon's probably the easiest, but it is available in other places. Okay, excellent, Linda. Thank you so much for being on and oh, taking the time. You. So pee in a pod, Linda Goldberg. Thank you so much. Thank you. Amy Baker, Dr. Sean Benzinger. Humarian Health Podcast. Spilling our guts. For the well-being of yours. That's right. Thanks for having the guts to listen to the Humarian Health Podcast. Make sure you follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Humarian Health. If you have things you'd like to gut check, send us an email at gutcheck at humarian.com.